Hello, hello, Patrick here with a super the duper short introduction. Actually, it's just an apology. Uh, something wacky happened when Ben and I recorded this episode. And so my side of the conversation is a little bit crunchy. Um, and so sorry about that. It's still totally listenable. Uh, you'll just notice that it is less than pristine. I apologize for that. I appreciate your forgiveness. We'll do my best not to let it happen again. Enjoy the show. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I am excellent, Patrick. <laughs> Put up a little video on Instagram, depending on when people listen to this, a month ago, something like that. Let's just pretend it was a month ago, I can't remember. Um, and it, it immediately struck me as like, oh, I want to I wanna bug them about this. And the, the idea, the concept inside the video was this idea uh, of pride, personal responsibility in daily excellence. And so I just thought that was really interesting and I wanted to unpack it a little bit with you. And so that's where we're that's Great. what we're gonna talk about today. Um, can you give me the can you give us kind of the high level? Like what do you what does this mean? What is this idea? Where did this come from? Okay, so um actually I didn't make it up. It's just an it's just an acronym that's kind of floated around the the, the this type of space. Um but the idea is it's I'll say it again, it's personal responsibility in daily excellence. So and pride. So first part about that is pride and pride as a either really positive or it could be a really negative thing. And you have to understand the double-edged sword of pride. You can be so proud that you're unwilling to um, take on anyone else's ideas. You lose the humility aspect. You lose the openness thing because it's like, it's my way. And you, you create this ownership thing that if you lose it, you lose your identity. And that's not a great thing. Everyone knows that. Um, but pride also has this really powerful, amazing things. Like if you use that as a filter system for what it is that you pursue with the idea of, I want to, I just want to be really proud of the right things, not proud of the result, but proud of the effort, proud of the um, the journey, proud of the process, proud of the decisions I'm making, proud of the the walls that my ladders are leaning up against, the proud of the way I'm conducting myself, proud of my character, proud of my efforts. Well, that's the really powerful, that's the really powerful pride. That's the pride that we're all searching for. So that dichotomy, once you navigate that and you understand what it is we're looking for, that type, and that's the pride we're talking about. Then you break down this word a little bit and um, personal responsibility in daily excellence. So personal, it's, you know, it's you, you know, it's a, it's a Mel Robbins thing of like, no one is coming to save you. Like if you want to be a better version of yourself, like do it, like get out from under the covers, stop hitting the snooze alarm and go do the hard things like that. It it's on like personal this is not about your parents, what your parents said or did to you. It's not about your boss. It's not about your spouse who cheated on you. It's not about um, the, the crappy environment that you're in. You are in control. This is a personal thing and it's for you. No one is 
putting food in your mouth. If you want to lose weight, stop eating crap. Like take ownership. No one is forcing you to go back to that crappy job that you hate. If you hate it that much, quit it and go find your passions and actually take, do the hard things, be brave and do it. So that's the first piece is that personal aspect. Responsibility is something we talk about a lot on this podcast and breaking that word down. Response able. It's the ability to respond. It's again, taking ownership. I am responsible. If you give me a hundred dollars or you give me a secret, you can trust that I'll hold that and take care of it. I am, I am responsible and also able to respond, able to respond to any adversities that come along. I get it. Like if you want to take personal responsibility and daily excellence and you want to go and run a marathon, there's going to be days that you feel like crap. There's going to be days that it's raining outside. There's going to be days that it's 25 degrees. Like respond to those challenges, not react, respond. Responses are calculated. Reactions are based off of your feelings and your wants and they're, they're finicky and they flutter away and you're left with regret at the, at the end of it. Whereas when you respond to things, the ability to respond, calculated, thought out, values, not feelings-based, those things lead to pride. So understanding which one has regret and which one has pride. And we're not going right for the the short-term pleasure things. We're actually pushing away the short-term pleasure for the maybe the harder things, but that will actually lead to something of of greatness, of value, of eternal joy, of unconditional happiness, of fulfillment. Don't chase the short little dopamine hit. Chase the the thing that's going to be longer lasting because the short-term dopamine hit, chasing that is called an addict, which I just need it. I need it. I need it when I don't get it. Oh my God, I'm not happy with myself. I need to go back for that again and get the hit, get the hit, get the hit. And that ultimately leads to a light of nothingness total emptiness, no fulfillment whatsoever. And when it comes down to it, if we want to be assets, not liabilities to our families, our loved ones and others, you can't fill from an empty cup. The life of an addict chasing pleasure all the time is empty and you can't fill up anybody else's. And if that's truly the way we get to fulfillment is actually truly by elevating others, we got to fill up our own cup to make sure we're doing it. It looks like selfish in the beginning. Yes, this pride and responsibility and daily excellence can look selfish from the, from the first go because you're going to be doing things that pull you away from others. And it looks like it's a selfish act, but it's the exact opposite. You're Because you're going to be doing, and we'll get to this in a second, but okay, in daily excellence, what are the things we're going to be doing? What are the things that cause excellence? It's those hard things. It's things like working out, training, exercise. It is eating right, making those decisions and meal prepping and food prepping. It is things like meditation and journaling and mindfulness practice and um, reading and learning and growing and building things of creation of value and of meaning. And at the beginning, that can look like it's a self-serving activity. But if we're doing this for the right reasons and we're doing this for to have pride, not this is not about um, personal responsibility in daily achievements. It's not about achievements. This is not about getting the next paycheck. It's not about getting the three-car garage instead of the two-car garage. It's not about the extra zero at the end of the paycheck. It's not about even winning the CrossFit Games. It's not about getting a 300-pound back squat. It's truly about us who we are becoming in the process of leaning into this daily excellence. That's what gives us the pride. 
That right there is leaning into the process, leaning into the daily activities. That's what creates the fulfillment. And if we do those things, that's where we're going to end up really excited about looking back on our lives, whether, let me say this a little bit before I get to that one, is if um, you knew you had six months to live, all the fluff, all the other things, all the things that pull your attention away from the truly meaningful things would go away. You would do these things that really um, make you feel alive. You would, you would work out. It's so weird because you have six months to live. Why are you working out? Why wouldn't you just, you know, um, you know, go to the grave in a, you know, whatever that saying is, in a shattered version of yourself, use yourself up completely. It doesn't matter anyway. Because you actually would realize that how good that makes you feel. It's not fun to do it in the moment for most of us until you actually get to flip that switch, but it's doing the right hard things daily, like creating the routine around it, not just when they strike you, not just when it's convenient, not just when it doesn't conflict with um, you know, the warm blanket that's keeping you under the covers on Saturday morning at you know 8.15. It's getting up and, and doing the hard work. Mm. You said something at the at the top of that, um, which is that part part of it is to just be brave. Because I don't know that that's a word that we've used. If if we have used it that often, what do you mean by be brave in this context? Why why is why is bravery needed? Okay, so a few things. Um, so um, courage, bravery. It's um, it's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of negative negative thoughts or hesitation. It's having those things and doing them anyway. So that's discipline. This is just about discipline. So, you know, I almost think that that, um, that daily aspect could just be replaced with the D, could be replaced with discipline in some form or fashion. You know, disciplined execution, if you want to do that, right? It's, it's about that. It's about doing it because you're supposed to do it. And that takes bravery in some points because... One of those things might be to have that hard conversation with your spouse, with the coworker, with your boss, to take the leap and quit your job, to um, take the leap and have that conversation with your mom that you've been putting off forever, to have that, um, to not go and um, be close to those friends that you know are negatively impacting your lives because of their habits and rituals and routines. They go to the bar every night. They are not bettering themselves, but you're so caught up in the routine of it. You have to be brave to be able to do this, but it's you, it's your life. If you want this, if you feel passionate about it and you don't want life to pass you by to where you get to the end of it, you go, well, I had experiences, but none of them really meant that much. Well, I, I, or, you know, or, or maybe I need to have experiences because I just filled my life with the emptiness of the routine of what society or my friends or my family or the environment I was placed upon said, this is what we do. This is how we act. This is how we behave. It's taking a step back. The brave people, to me, this is the, people talk about high achievers. And for some reason, high achievers always goes to people that have won Super Bowls or um, are incredibly successful entrepreneurs or do something in like arts and entertainment. And that's high achievers. Why can the high achievers not be the people that are just so ultimately joyful, like so happy with their lot. And we have to distinguish that again. I'm going to restate when I say joy and fulfillment, I'm not seeing, um, pleasure. It's not like, it's not that 
but those people that are so um, at ease with their lives and can do the hard things and um, don't get rattled and are truly living out their purpose and their passion, that's the high achievers in my mind. And that's what we should all be seeking. And it's hard to do that because society says, no, you have to do it this way. You have to go, you have to get on a roll. So you get into an Ivy League. So you're going to Goldman Sachs. So you can be, uh, you know, switching gears, a partner by age 30. So you can have, drive the BMW. So you can get the trophy wife. So you can have the 2.2 kids that um, are now running through your exact same experiences because we're on autopilot. And if we are brave enough to pull ourselves out of that and truly define for ourselves, what does success really look like for me? And then, but cool, once we got that, backtrack it, fill in the gaps. What are the things I need to do to make sure those things are happening? And once you have those, that's the brave thing of taking the leap and going those and be like, I believe that this is the process I need to find for, in order for me to be really proud of my life. What are the daily activities I need to do in an excellent way to make sure I'm proud of my life? Okay, from there, you gotta be brave because it's not gonna be in line with what your mom said. It's not gonna be in line with what society rewards. It's not about the million social media followers. It's not about the trophies and all the rest. It's what fulfills you. You said that uh, part of that process is to do the right hard things. Does that mean in your mind that there are the wrong hard things? that maybe some people are opting yeah. towards or choosing. And so, or delineate between the right hard things and the wrong hard things. Yeah, so um, what can happen when people start on this path and they're like, okay, so it's about working harder. And they, they mistake busyness for effectiveness. And being busy is hard. Like you're working, you're, at, you're getting up, or you're doing all, you're getting up early, you're grinding it out, maybe even like have a side hustle at the end and you're, um, but that's not the right thing. That's hard. You're doing the hard thing, but that's not the right thing. Um, so understanding it's beginning with the end in mind and understanding what is the, the end state I'm actually looking for. And I'm not saying don't achieve. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm saying just make sure you get there and it's going to, when you, you don't, you can't make sure, you never know. You have to place your best guess that this is the thing that's going to truly fulfill me. And if you're creating enough space and enough room to have those conversations with yourself and you go, no, I still think it is the Harvard MBA and the Wall Street thing and retiring by age 40, cool. Then that's if it sets your heart on fire, then take the necessary steps in order for you to achieve that because you believe that. But then as things change, shift, and you have everything in the world is constantly changing. Evolution, change, it's, it's just the only constant is change. So it'd be ridiculous to, for us a decade later to go, that this is the path I set myself and I'm going to keep going out it. That's ridiculous. So the, the hard thing then is to shift gears. That's the really hard thing. 
It's not to say that what you're doing isn't hard. That is the hard thing. It's still hard to go to Harvard, go to Wall Street, to um, send your kids to private school. To, those are really hard things for sure. But you got to make sure that they're the right hard things, not just the default hard things. Love that. One, one thing that I've come to notice just in myself and others is just something I've come to kind of called the, the momentum of optimal decisions, which is just another way to say, like, if you mm. wake up in the morning and you don't hit the snooze alarm, the second hard decision you have, right, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the banana or the muffin, uh, you pick the banana, right? And every time you make one good decision, the next hard decision is a little bit easier to make in, uh, in the positive direction than the negative, because you want to kind of continue to reinforce uh, oh, I made two good decisions. I want to make a third good decision. I want to make a third. So I say all that to just ask, like in this idea of, of personal responsibility and daily excellence, have you found that it's sort of built one day builds into the next one day builds into the next in the sense of like, uh, yesterday I, I did the hard thing. I did the right hard thing. So I'm going to, I want to keep that chain going, right? We've talked about, you know, keeping the chain going that, that Seinfeld idea from a million episodes ago. Um, is that part of, the idea here, I mean, I imagine it is, but talk to me a little bit about how you've seen that unfold. Yeah, so there's a, there's a dichotomy to that, which is the momentum of um, the momentum of great choices, but also understanding that um, those good choices um, can take willpower. So it's 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 really easy to be reactive and grab the the muffin. It's harder to reach for the banana. And willpower is a finite resource, so it's going to get drained. So as you're making these decisions, what ends up happening is they compound um, over days, but each day it's a waning resource. And then you sleep and it comes back up and you start again with more willpower. And that's why it's really important. This is why we talked about this, win the morning, like win the morning. Because if you try and, this is my take. I know people have this like whole thing of, Everyone's the individual and it's all different and stuff like, but that's not what the science that I'm re that I research, you know, like in terms of like when you do your journaling, when you do your meditating, when you do your workouts, when you um, do your, the, the, all these hard practices that we're talking about, when you do these things to me, if you put them off to the end of the day, at the end of the day, it means because I've read about it. So it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I want to do nothing than just play with my kids and like do nothing. And, or maybe it's also because that's a practice I've instilled in myself is that's how my day flows. But I really think that it's um, it's about doing the hard things at the beginning because it's harder to make the good decisions at the end of the day. It's really hard. So by your rationale, it would be easier because you'd have the momentum of all of these great decisions. By the end of the day, things would just fall into place. I don't see that. I don't see that from the research I've looked into. But I do see it in terms of um, like the coding effect, like the 10,000 hours rule, like um, you are what you repeatedly do, like the talent code of myelin um, synthesizing around nerve endings. So you can actually, it's like what you repeat, you just start to, it starts to become habit. It starts to become what you do. And anybody that's installed in your practice, whether it's um, quitting smoking or trying to eat healthy, or going to the gym regularly, or a meditation, or journaling practice, whatever it might be, that's trying to instill a new practice, knows how Chandler right now is in the midst of 30 days of swimming, swimming consecutive, like 
Um, I've had a few of my athletes do this. Katrin's done it before. And um, Katrin was talking to Chandler about it. And she's like, just so you know, um, the first three or four days are not so bad because it's new, right? And just so you know, that days like four through 15 to 20, maybe even 25 really suck. Like the newness is gone. You're like, and um, Chandler is on day five right now. And he came in, he goes, this is not fun anymore. And he said he stood at the edge of the pool for four minutes, kind of walking through the mental map of what is it going to look like if I don't do this? Um, can I get away with not talking to Ben about it? What if I just moved to Bermuda? These are little, these are word for word quotes. Like, and that's, that's this instilling a new practice, right? And that's the day, but this is why it's daily excellence. You are what you repeatedly do. Now, if you do that and you miss a day, no big deal, but don't miss two days in a row, that type of thing. And if you find that you miss two days in a row, like it's time to sacrifice other things to make sure you're, because if you do this stuff, it's really like the, the, the 20% creates 80%. It's, it's like that. Like if you really focus and let's put it this way, if it, your daily routines, because it's a big part of this daily. So we have to talk about our day. To me, I think about the day in terms of um, three, I held up four, three eight-hour chunks. You're going to sleep for eight hours. That's chunk one. You're going to work for eight hours. That's chunk two. Chunk three is the other eight hours that are totally up to you. How are you going to fill up those eight hours? Are you doing them with things that are going to lead you towards excellence that you're incredibly proud of? Or are you going to Netflix them away? Which I, at the end of two years, I get it. You've watched all of Yellowstone, Ted Lasso, and Game of Thrones. Cool. You can have really good, fun conversations at the cocktail party. Zero fulfillment. Lots of joy. No real connection, because you're not actually connecting. I shouldn't say no connection. Shallow like Cal Newport, deep work versus shallow work, shallow connections, not deep. Or are you going to really lean into those other eight hours? The way I think about those hours is four hours in the morning, four hours at night. The four hours in the morning are me. That's the way I do it. And I'm going to do all the things that we're talking about here. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to um, do my journaling. I'm going to um, do my daily tracking. I'm going to do my reading. I'm going to do my breath work. I'm going to do my meditation. Um, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time with my kids before I go off and I do a two hour workout. That's like, that's my, that's my four hours in the morning. So from 5.30 to 9.30, I am owning that. That's like, I am very, very intentional. My four hours in the evening are flex family. And we, tr we tried to put in a lot of routine there. We're still working on it. But what we found is that we got to have some principles, um, but really it's got to be kind of flex because when you're bringing in other people, you can only be um, effective with people. You can't be efficient. Efficient is time bound. This is like uh, first things first type stuff. Um, when, you when, you're time when, you, you can't, 
When you're involving other people, you can't have a clock with it. You can only be effective um, and you have no idea how long that's going to take. So if we're having a family dinner, it makes no sense to be like, it's going to be a 25 minute family dinner, or it's going to be an hour long family dinner. It's, we're going to have family dinner. That's one of the things we try to instill. And we're going to do bedtime. We're going to do um, um, bedtime routine. So we all brush our teeth at the same time. We read books together at the same time. Um, we've actually gotten the practice of this is new. So, um, but um, games. So like I'll play um, chess with Bodie while um, Heather plays Battleship with Harley. Like, and we play a game type thing, um, or we'll play Uno. Or and it, it's again sometimes that's thirty five minutes, sometimes it's five minutes because the kids have attention. They're into it or they're not. But we're trying to create this like very intentional. What are the things that we want to be doing in the evening? We also Heather and I are trying to instill another um, eight to twelve minute mindful breath meditation practice in the evening as well. We're terrible at it because we're a little more reactive than we should be. But the idea is three eight-hour chunks. Two of those eight-hour chunks are essentially spoken for. Now, if you can kind of think like Cal Newport stuff, like create that deep work environment for um, the eight hours of deep work and it's purposeful and it's passion and um, it's not full of distractions um, and it fulfills the work itself is fulfilling. Oh man, now we're really doing something. If you think about like good, high quality sleep, hygiene, and practices, woohoo, now we're really doing something. But what this one, what we're talking about today is, is um, regardless of those ones, it has nothing to do with those. This is literally about taking just those four hours out of 24 and doing something really special with those four. Now, I get for somebody that might be hearing this for the first time and that sounds insanity. Well, Think about one, one of those things and let it be 20 minutes. It might be a 20 minute walk, right? It might just be 20 minutes of walk. It might be 20 minutes of reading. Like, okay. And now we're getting into that one. And my take on this is don't do the hardest one, do the easiest one. And this is where your good decisions do stack because you get the dopamine response of doing the good thing. And you're like, ooh, that felt good. I can do this. And do the one that's, the, maybe it's making your bed every morning, just the, you know, Navy SEAL commencement speech of like, just make your bed. So you can walk away going like, I did something for myself today that just has nothing to do with me be other than me being excellent. By the way, like excellent people are disciplined routine. They make their bed. So if you're not making your bed in the morning, like that's something we should be doing. And if you're not doing it, listen to that commencement speech because it's worth it. It's funny that uh, I've been working on something similar to the, to the kind of the four hour chunks beginning and the end of the day. But I've been thinking about it as first hour, last hour, because what I've realized mm. is that the first hour of the day, like we've talked about, is the opportunity you have to set up the rest of your day for success. And so for me, in an hour, it tends to look like a little bit of mindfulness um, and mostly doing some writing. So some amount of kind of creative uh, outlet. And on the days that I do that, literally my mood is like 50% higher going into what we would maybe call the work day. And the days that I don't get, don't get that done. Don't, don't kind of get up early enough or whatever. I can noticeably feel it. And then the last hour for me was, was it's still new. I kind of started about six weeks ago. Cause I recognized similar to you, 
the from about whatever five to seven thirty, eight o'clock is family time, and mostly it's like getting the kids fed and and dinner and kid and to bed. And then what I noticed was I was so often wasting the let's just call it eight o'clock to nine thirty time, you know, and w- with whatever. Yeah. Sometimes with Netflix, sometimes I'd, I'd you know read a little bit, whatever. Michelle and I would hang out, but by and large, there wasn't anything routine in place that I was kind of like happy with. And so I, I told myself the last hour of the day is just as important as the first hour of mm-hmm. the day as Love it relates that. to my own uh, personal development, as my own uh, my own uh, fulfillment. And so what I've started to do, and this is this works for me, I have no idea why, I never would have expected it, but I've started to work out at like 8.15 to whatever, Whoa. 8.45-ish. And it all depends a little bit. And let me tell you, like, I, again, I never would have guessed it, but it was like, working out in the middle of the day has been become really hard and working out first thing in the morning is great, but I wasn't getting that kind of that creative boost thing that I really like getting. And so I was, I felt like by working out in the morning, I was sacrificing my ability to kind of like sit down and do some writing or do some thinking, do some thinking. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to try it because I'm tired of, of struggling with when I, and for whatever reason, it started to really work. And so that to me is like, same as the four hours beginning in it. It's really the same, but like for me, just very selfishly, I think about it as the first hour and last hour. And those are to me, if I can get those done, if I can focus, if I can, if I can do this, this personal responsibility and daily excellence, that's what it looks like to me. And that to me, honestly, is what makes a good day. Almost, almost absent what happens in between those two things. If I have right. a good first hour and I have a good last hour, right. like I go to bed, like, okay, that was a good day. I'm going to do that again tomorrow. Love that. Yeah. So, um, um, your morning routine starts the night before, right? Cause if you don't, if you don't pay attention to the, the evening, um, and you end up going to bed three hours later than you were supposed to, because you got caught up watching the next full season of whatever, the next morning is not going to, it's not going to happen the way you want it to. And this is how we spin out of, it's about that ownership piece and it's doing the hard, it's hard, it's harder it's way, no one's going to, by the way, when you're saying it, isn't it funny that we say like Netflix now instead of TV? Like you're like, and sometimes, you know, I get caught up to kind of doing Netflix. It's like a noun. It's like now a noun in terms of like, right? It's just like a verb. Like I Netflixed last night. Yeah. Instead of like watched TV, I Netflixed. What do you want to do? You want to go Netflix? So anyway, um, I digress. Um, the, but that's, is the idea is like, you have to have some sort of level of um, so part of it is pride and part of it is awareness, right? Cause the awareness level kind of first is what awareness of what makes me feel happy, fulfilled, pride, alive, energized, connected. Um, and then it's that willingness to, to do it. Like one of the dangers of listening to a podcast like this of talking about this a lot with friends is you end up giving yourself credit because you feel good when you talk like you just there's dopamine responses like uh, talking about your goals talking about how amazing you know like your daily routines are and all the rest and you can trick yourself into actually thinking you're doing it but nothing nothing um, will ever outweigh action like you can talk about you could read a book about mindfulness and until you actually do a mindfulness practice, you haven't. There's you've you've gained zero. Like nothing's happened. But
but you can feel like you've done so much. And that's the dangers of kind of um, tiptoeing into this world a little bit, as opposed to what you're doing, which is no, it is one hour morning, one hour evening, and I'm going to do that thing. That's a really um, powerful, you know, that your, your, your 10 steps, you know, that's not one step and one step, that's not two steps. That's you're taking dozens and dozens of steps by owning those mornings. I'm curious. So Pat, like after you do that, our creative stuff in the morning, what's the next thing you do? Uh, I tend to go back into the house and help get the kids ready for whatever their daycare is. So it's kind of about an hour of just like family, that's, family stuff, but it's like organized chaos, family stuff. Totally. That, so that's, that's part of that for sure. That's 100%. That is not unintentional. That is for very intentional reasons that you find a lot of, if you were to miss that four days in a row for whatever reason, yeah, you'd feel like crap. So totally. that's included. What do you do after that? Um, then I get into regular work day. So that tends to be, so I, okay. I try to get out here early. Uh, and that first hour is usually 6.30 to 7.30, 7.30 to 8.39, depending if I'm bringing the kids. And then nine o'clock is generally when I consider like the work day to start. And so the other piece I want to, because I know that when people listen to this, they go like, um, some of our listeners are amazing. And they're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And they're like, and my life went away because I was so... <laughs> You know, we have a lot of type A's, a lot of hard chargers, a lot of um, really disciplined listeners. And they go and, you know, this has sucked everything out of my life. And like um, this, again, I just want to restate, it allows the freedom to be able to do the other stuff. So if you're doing this six days a week, that seventh day, it, and you, you're, you were planning on it, but the seventh day, um, your wife is like, let's go. Um, let's go, this happened to me this past weekend. Let's get up early and go watch the sunrise. It's like, but my morning routine. It's like, no, not at all. No, no, no. You can step away for a day to make that happen. And you could step away for another day, three days later. But is this the thing that is the day, is the thing that is your routine? It is the default, right? Is default excellence. This feels, this conversation, I didn't expect it, but it's, it's cool. It kind of feels like a, not a part two, but a, a layering on to uh, the episode we did on, on the fulfillment framework, uh, where we kind of broke down like big picture to small picture. Can you just tie this in a little bit as to how you think about this idea of pride, personal responsibility and daily excellence as it relates to that fulfillment framework where the idea is we're all trying to figure out what we need to do so that on our deathbed, we feel as though my life was intentional, was the life I, I meant to lead and I'm fulfilled by it. Can you yeah. just like, can you just bring these two together as we wrap it up? Absolutely. So um, if that fulfillment framework is the pyramid model, this is just the thing that you lay on top of it. This is the way you execute. It's the way you actually do it is you have, you take personal responsibility in your daily execution excellence. You actually make it happen. So it's exactly that. This is, um, this is not, this is very, it's, uh, parallel conversations or overlapping conversations. Um, you can't do one completely without the other. To me, this is when you get down to the fulfillment, the fulfillment framework, you start off with that big overarching purpose. You dial it down into, um, you know, what do I want to stand for? How am I going to get there? You connect the dots this is the execution of those dots. This is what you're actually doing on a daily basis to get there. 
I was um, um, traveling recently and somebody came up to me and was like, you know, doing that fulfillment, uh, fulfillment framework podcast, you, you danced around it, you teased it a little bit. I think I'm doing that again in this one. She's like, can you just literally say what it is that you do? Like, she's like, what are the checkpoints? What are the checkboxes? Um, so we should, maybe we'll do that in another episode because I'm dancing around it again. Tease. We will definitely do that. All right, my friend. Anything else before we wrap up on this conversation worth mentioning? No, like just um, go get it. Take massive action but don't judge yourself along the way, right? Like that's the people um, are like, oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't stick to it. I'm a failure. And they fall off. It's like um, lean into the process, disassociate yourself from results because you do this. Um, you know, as Tim Grover said in our winning episode, um, winning doesn't give a damn about how hard you're working. It doesn't give a damn about you making the right choices. You could do all the right choices and work your tail off and still not get where you want to be. That's part of the deal. But this is the pride. You have ownership of that. You might not win. You might not get the awards. You might not get the promotion. You might not get the girl. But you'll have pride knowing that you did everything you could within your control and within your power to live the life on your terms the best way that you know how. I'm friend. Thank you. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. And as always, Ben and I will be back for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.